Okay. Uh, let's let's play this intro here. Whoa! It jumped. Now it's playing something by the Babes in Toyland, who I used to like a lot. Let's do that. There we go. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places, my friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about... Radio Mysterioso. What is that, 480 by 10? I can't even remember. And I work in the video industry, so I don't know. Uh, it's Radio Mysterioso back after a long, long hiatus. Uh, I've been very busy and very lazy at the same time. Uh, Walter has dis- decided that it's okay to show up because he has something to, to uh, push now. And I, I, I never talk. I don't even get to talk to Walter. He doesn't communicate. He's been doing. He does a video blog now and takes music that I've given him and uses it in his video blog. And I, I didn't make a comment like, hey, where'd you get that music? <laughs> And it's not even my, you know, it's just I music. I use it somehow. Yeah. Um, it works real well with uh, what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Particularly uh, the, the quote that I took out of um, you know, Orgy of the Dead, but uh, uh, I can't remember now. I can't either. The the funny looking thing thing. Uh, what is that thing? Hey, I'm talking to you. Yeah. It's perfect. For yeah. Uh, so... Welcome after f- so long, Walter. And um, the, uh, I, we were in New Mexico a few weeks ago. Do you know what that is? I'm showing him a patch. Uh, no, first of all, I'll ask, is this an actual it is a, unit patch? It is a special patch for a special project. Okay, because and, uh, it kind of resembles the, the Air Force. Well... This was before know. the Air Force. Oh, oh, this is an old... Okay, that's why the star in the circle looks Army-like. Yeah. Army Air Corps. Probably. Um, I'm guessing with the lightning bolt coming down that it maybe it has to do with satellite communications, unless the bolt represents no, striking it's world, something. No, it's, uh, it's pre-Air Force, so it can't be satellites. Well, at least oh, not Jesus. as we know them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I don't know, then. I'll give you a hint. I picked it up at the National Museum of Nuclear Science and History. So it's a uh, 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 missile or a rocket squadron. I don't know. I couldn't. I'm I'm just grabbing at the. I'm trying to. I'm well. I can't turn this around because I'll mess up the sound. But 
as fun as it is to try to decode what this could possibly mean, and in those days, maybe it's a Project Mogul badge. It is the badge that people wore that they made up for the Manhattan Project. Oh. Okay, so there's a... Oh, I'm trying to find out if there's a... There was somewhere I saw an explanation of what what they all the stuff on there meant in one of the books I got on on the Los Alamos and Manhattan projects um, there was there is an explanation of what all the symbols in that thing mean um, if you're listening to me uh, us on the show right now uh, or later you can look up uh, Manhattan Project logo or patch or something like that and it, and somewhere it should tell you what it means supposedly it's in the shape of a question mark uh, generally, because it looked, they didn't know what was going to happen. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, that's kind of... I mean, you get it once someone says it, but... Yeah. What would the Trinity? Could it be the, the, the little squiggle in the globe? The yellow part looks like three peaks, signifying three. It's not as clear as it could be or should right. be. Yeah, there's there's no I can't find an explanation of what's on there. It, uh, oh, your your Walter has a bad chair here. So where'd you get it in the gift shop or something? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's mostly shaped like a, a question mark because they didn't know what was going to happen. The whole general shape is a question mark. I think that is a mountain range near where you know the uh, yeah, three peaks. Um, that's the Army Air Corps, I guess, logo. And the lightning was the power. What we're looking at with it, I guess. a kind of a triangular patch with the point downward, rounded corners, and it's blue. And in the upper center is, kind of, I guess, an elliptical circle that's filled in with silver. And there's a cir- a red circle with a blue star, and then emanating down from that is a silver lightning bolt down to the bottom center, which is a, a gold or yellow ball shape with uh, embroidered in blue, what looks like a, a triple mountain peak kind of thing. Oh, yeah, because it was Trinity, three peaks. Yes, I said a um, ago, Trinity. The, uh, the uh, other thing I bought in that museum, which I should have brought along, was called A Spy's Guide to Santa Fe and um, Albuquerque, I think. Oh, how convenient. And it was written by a guy from uh, who used to be in counter-intel in the CIA, and now he works at the um, DOE in Intelligence wow. and Counterintelligence. It's a really cool book because the, guy's, the guy is a hardcore spy, and he's, he tells you a lot about what the ideas were driving counter-espionage were right. and are. And he had one rule at the beginning of the book that went something like, the nation that has the upper hand morally generally is a lot better at recruiting, at least in the eyes of the world, is a generally a better, lot better at recruiting people to do work for them against their own country. You, meaning that at the time, because he talks what he talks about first is the Manhattan Project and who how many people Stalin had on the project just sending stuff back to him immediately. I mean, yeah. they, they, he knew exactly what was going on. 
Yeah. Pretty much. Not exactly, but pretty damn yeah. close to exactly what was yeah. going on from almost the beginning. Yeah, and in spite of what we heard for decades in propaganda and TV movies and stuff, the Rosenbergs were guilty as sin. They yeah. Were, they were doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they weren't uh, the only ones. Right. And... um in fact, the Rosenbergs were caught because of another guy that was caught uh, after the Manhattan Project, yeah. and I can't remember the name. You know, I can't. I can't remember the history of it. I'm still reading it. But um, the uh, uh oh, I did not hit record on this. Good thing we weren't talking about your movie yet. Yeah, it was just waiting for me to hit record and it died. Don't. Oh, the batteries! The batteries weren't any good. <laughs> oh shit! So it's not going to oh, work uh, anyway. Yeah, uh, I hope this is recording. Anyway, yeah, if somebody out there is recording, thank you very much, uh, and uh, please get in touch. Anyway, um, I believe this is recording. Okay. Um, yeah, this uh, they had like uh, the the point was that at that point people weren't like horrible, nasty Russia. They were allies, so it was a lot easier for them. To have the moral upper hand, I guess, or at least part of it, <laughs> you have the reflection of this this turntable thing Isn't in your cool? eye, in your glasses. <laughs> there's a, there's like this hypno wheel thing on the turntable, and it's right on over Walter's eyes. It's great. Um, um, they were sort of allies because they were allies during the war. Yes, and this was the during war, the war, so it was a little yeah. easier to find a pool of people that would just say, "Okay, we're gonna." Yeah. It was spy against the our country. And we had to handle with kid gloves. Yeah. But yeah. At that time, you're right. It was a window of opportunity yeah. where it was less of a. I guess it was less of a damning thing, perhaps, in the minds of you know the people. Well, that was a point that this guy made in his book. He's just uh, as far as I've gotten that it was a lot easier because the Soviet Union, because they were our allies, etc., and because people there were people in this country who were socialist and communist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They had sort of a moral upper hand in the eyes of a lot of the world for uh, for a lot of their history until probably right after the war when everybody went nuts and some of this what they were trying to do came out and well, like the balance also, of power changed and blah, also blah, blah. when they uh, started to learn that Stalin was uh, as bad as Hitler and and the Soviet regime was pretty nasty and yeah stuff exactly like that. Yeah. so anyway they had this window of opportunity like you said so yeah. it was interesting to me that the uh, what that uh, uh, what went on during the Manhattan project I'm still reading about it um, I didn't know this part of the history of it I knew there were spies there but I didn't know how deep it went yeah. and he also talks about apparently the assassination of Leon Trotsky was planned partially in Santa Fe really yes did not know that wow uh, they met in various places that still exist in Santa Fe today. And he's got pictures of them. And he has a little map showing you where everybody went, and it's it's cool. It's very interesting to me. Um, you've been working on your film. Oh yeah, <laughs> were you done talking about that? <laughs> that I'm, was, I'm, okay, that let's was talk quite about the, you now. That was that was the non sequitur. Yeah, <laughs> it like was a ten me. minute, twenty minute non sequitur. <laughs> yes. Uh, Walter only decided to come on because he's working on this film. <laughs> Greg's a little upset by the. No, I have been out of touch. I'm upset with myself for not doing a show for a while. 
I've been out of touch all summer because I was quite well. As I told Greg, I was saving every every dime. Just to, half my budget went into the gas tank just to get us to locations. So yeah. I wasn't driving into L.A. I wasn't uh, hence wasn't doing no anything. budget cinema blog. Which yeah, you can look up. exactly. Nobody nobody saw me for a few months. Yeah. all summer. Walter Walter's been incommunicado, and I knew yeah. he was working on his film. And uh, so that finally got done, and um, it's in post. I can say that now and sound like a cool hip filmmaker. It's in post. I looked at the video blog and the explanation and your blog was... The, the only thing I didn't like about it was the jarring transition from one... You know, you keep changing colors and... Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I was trying to... Instead of it be just one long thing of me going blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. I thought I'd break it up by... And my favorite part was the actual footage of the trailer. Or I guess the trailer. part of... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Because I was looking at the outtakes, and you're like looking worried, looking yeah. worried, well, looking worried. Well, it gives you an idea okay. what it's like to direct a yeah. silent movie. In particular. And then there's like this transition, and then it's the trailer. And you're like, oh, hold it, this looks damn good. Thank I you. I do want to see this now. Well, thank and you. I'm not saying that just because it's Walter. Thank you. And and the final product when you watch that trailer, I'm doing things like um, putting little jump cuts, and I'm gonna put do things like age the image. I'm not going to go crazy with it, right? But um, it's going to be even a little bit more th- authentic in the visual experience with it. Um, and uh, what kind, why can you describe what your what the the film is? What maybe what the story is? What, oh, what, yeah. what you're trying to do with it? Ba- basically, I know because you've been telling yeah. me over you know over the last few months, yeah, six uh, months. I yeah, what you've been doing thing. with it and where you've been shooting and all that. Well, it's titled Hell's Bells, and it is a silent short feature um, in black and white. It sounded like a crane outside, like the bird kind yeah. of, or a stork or something. Uh, we don't have any sirens that, yet. That's They're a new coming. One. Um, yeah, the sirens will be. Um, yes, and it is a silent film. It's it's. There's pastiche and there's homage. My film is an homage because pastiche is actually a harder thing to pull off on a low budget. What's the difference? Well, pastiche is more of a a replica. When you're doing a pastiche, you're trying to replicate that original thing. And um, an homage is, like, for instance, in the early 80s, there was a movie called Body Heat, which you're familiar with. That was an homage to classic noir. Whereas Chinatown, for example, was a little bit closer to pastiche, but still on the homage side of the line. Yeah. Um, Pastiche, in a comedy way, would have been Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Right. Okay. Oh, we saw Steve Martin last week playing banjo. Oh, you did it live? Yeah, at the at the Pantages. Oh, that would have been cool. It was cool. I thought it was totally uncool to go see it. You never saw so many like oh, white guys awesome, in Hawaiian dude. shirts in one place at one time. Oh, really? I, the audience. I was like, good thing I didn't wear a no, Hawaiian he's, shirt. He's I look a, like all these idiots. He's an awesome banjo player. Always he's incredible. Mean, he has been. Yeah. Yeah. So now he has a. He's playing with a band called the Steep Canyon Rangers yeah. that he found in uh, South Carolina mm-hmm. or something like that. Anyway, it's a really good show. So, so the anyway. film the film is an homage, and uh, I do pastiche little things. But essentially, it's a retelling of the story of Jafar and Aladdin. There's a character who dupes um, a woman and her brother into retrieving a lost treasure from an ancient mine that he has a map to. And as the story progresses, you realize why he's duped them and... They meet some strangers along the way, and um, it's it's pretty much a 
1920s-style horror film against an adventure backdrop. Mm-hmm. And it uses local talent and Inland Empire and high desert locations. And it was done under... I release it under my banner, Lost Amazon Pictures, but it's... I, I affectionately call my productions no-budget cinema productions because yeah. essentially I don't set up a budget. I just use available resources um, along with local actors and local settings. Um, you know, for costumes, I just pool and see what I have among my own closet and friends and relatives. And then what I don't have, I go to... Um, thrift shops and pick up there as cheaply as possible and we just kind of you know go along with available resources and try to the idea the idea is to spend as little as possible and be proud of it (laughs) and um, it took me six months to complete only because actor availability was only one or two days a week and you know you have those weeks where you don't shoot because the right leads aren't available that kind of thing you know you you got one lead actor that can't make it and you're pretty much done for that week but that's okay because you know you you need to take some days off but um the film in its first rough cut that i showed i screened for my cast and um crew and such was an hour and seven minutes and i now have it cut down to about 53 minutes and with what I have in mind, it's going to be somewhere between 45 to 50 minutes in the end product. And that's um, that's probably enough for a niche film to make people sit through. Um, the movie that motivated me to do a silent film is 47 minutes long itself. So I figure that's a good good amount of time. To be honest, I thought I was making a 30-minute movie. And as I got into it and then as I was cutting it, I realized... Oh my God! This thing's this thing's over an hour, and and the reason that I made that tiny little error was I hadn't accounted for how much time the title cards actually fill up because you got to leave them on screen long enough to be read. The rule yeah. of thumb is twice, right? And the oh, it is. One, I didn't know that. Yeah, th- that's that's a rule of thumb. If you watch a silent film, you'll see that about ninety percent of the cards are up there long enough to read through twice. Now, some vary because a card that's only a sentence or a word is going to be quicker than a paragraph. Yeah. But, yeah. but the challenge um, challenge for the audience, not for me, is that you know the younger folks with this ADHD type <laughs> of viewing mentality that you know goes on is you know they're going to have to read the cards, you know, right. and not freak that it doesn't go, you know. But then again. The audience for the film is not the audience that prefers what's playing up the road at the multiplex. Either, right. So, where's the um, premiere going to be? Ah, the premiere is an actual theatrical premiere at the Fox Theater and Events Center at uh, one twenty three Cajon Street in Redlands, California. And uh, the Fox Theater was built in nineteen. 19- 27 opened in 1928 and the first film they ran was was at that time what the the newest Laurel and Hardy picture was and uh, for decades this thing ran first run Hollywood movies when I was in high school I used to go to movies there yeah and um, it closed for a while many years and then was bought and reopened and refurbished and it, it's a beautiful old theater in uh, the last couple of years I've seen uh, 
Well, that didn't work. I've seen Chinatown and Casablanca screened there. And um, there was something else that I've seen there, but it's slipping my mind. Um, And uh, it's going to be on November 25th, Sunday, November 25th, at 7 p.m. And actually, it's more than just the movie. We're having a red carpet arrival of the stars. I will introduce the film as the director. I'll introduce the film, and uh, we'll screen the movie. And then I'm going to bring my uh, actors up on stage, introduce them all, and and just kind of host a little Q&A with the audience. And we're going to film the whole thing for inclusion in the special features on the DVD. So it's um, more than just a screening for us. It's going to end up being part of the final product. Right. And tickets are seven dollars. And uh, what? Yeah, and um, you can uh, pay for them right now. You can get the advanced tickets, and they are selling. You might want to do that at my uh, nobudgetcinema.blogspot.com/slash Hell's Bells Premiere Event. And I think there's hyphen. There are hyphens between those words. Um, Hell's hyphen Bells hyphen Premiere hyphen Event. Blah, blah, you mean blah. you're having it during one of my shows? Yep. Well, that's why you're going to have to put a recorded show on yes. so that you and Sigrid can come out. <laughs> well, we, we, we were going to be in Japan, but we're coming back on the 23rd. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. You, you'll probably be jet-lagged, but that's yeah. okay. You can sleep in your chair in the theater. And you know, who's, uh, <laughs> Paul Kimball will be house-sitting for us, so he'll probably come with us. Oh, I hope so. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Oh, that'd be totally cool. I think he's staying at least probably till that Sunday. Well, uh, this is a... This if he knows that it's on that day, maybe he can make it. Well, this theater is... Unless he has to get back to work he, on something. Yeah. This theater is um, also one of those that serves beer and wine and food during, oh, okay. for an extra charge during the film. But um, it's we're excited about it. The owner is kind of uh, enthused and that it's local filmmakers and... Um, you know, that we're screening something that was made locally. Yeah. Uh, I had um, Damon Packard in here a few weeks ago talking about his film. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Paul says, I'll stick around for Walter's thing. He had me at beer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Uh, yeah, there. Uh, th- we had a filmmaker here a couple weeks ago, and I was watching one of his films at home. He sent me DVDs of them, and one of them was an, a director's <laughs> with a, a low budget director, like playing a guy playing a low budget director in a docu- pseudo documentary. He's, he's saying, "I can't get anything done. These damn actors never show up." <laughs> uh, <laughs> mine, mine would show up. It's just I had uh, trouble with lateness from. No, well, you have that with anything where people are doing something for cheap or free, um, or, or yeah, it's like I'm exactly. trying to get my stuff going here. Yeah, I, I and pay I, my actors and on I have, contingency, yeah. so and I have a life on top of this. So yeah. it's like you know, right, right, right. Oh yeah, that's I, you know that's why under the conditions that we were shooting, the fact that they gave me one day a week was great. Yeah, you know, because in all honesty, it gave me six of the rest of the days to do my usual. How long bullshit. did it take to shoot? Like three, four months. Six months we started. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. You said that. I think there were. It's not. It wasn't a full six months of days. It was over a period of six months. I think there were probably a total of twenty-four shooting days. Now, what's interesting is my next film, which I'm going to start by October first, 
I'm only going to take four weeks. My next film will be shot and being cut when Hell's Bells premieres. Right. And the I'll, way it should be. I'll have a preview um, at Hell's Bells okay. premiere. Yeah, that's great. I'm writing the third script right now for what the next movie's going to be. <laughs> I wrote a first one. It was a little too ambitious for no-budget pictures. And then I wrote a second one thinking it was easier. And I looked at it and I go, eh, this is still a little ambitious because it's got, it's got a cool... I'm, I'm going to do that film, but it, it's got a really cool scene that um, I just don't think I'm going to be able to afford right now. And uh, so I'm doing something that it will be even cheaper to do so i'm i'm basically essentially going from the uh oh sound on this one uh, yes there will be sound yeah. so i'm going from a herc harvey budget to an ed wood budget or whichever <laughs> you know but uh it to it, a, uh, a herschel gordon lewis budget no yeah. no that's still too much <laughs> that's way more well, you, you know i'm i'm torn between should i say how much i spent on hell's bells or should i not because on the one hand some people have the the philosophy that oh never say how much you spent on something but the people that that would judge it for how much i spent on it I, our philosophies kind of don't agree anyway and on the other hand, people might say, you know what, that looks pretty good for only X number of dollars. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm proud. I know. I, I I, I've got an idea of X number of dollars you I think you I have. told you. No, but I, I have an idea based on how much you starve to get the thing going. Let's play, What what's the, is it is it Price is Right where you go higher or lower or whatever? <laughs> yeah. Just pick a number. Three grand. <laughs> I wish, I wish I'd had three thousand dollars. Really, nowhere near that. Now, now remember, in the budget, I'm not counting the cost of the camera because that was a gift before months before I started shooting. No, I wasn't. I was talking about all the other stuff and the gas really? and the so. So in your mind, feeding it, people, I guess, if you did that, like a three thousand dollar movie. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I only seen the little preview. Lower. <laughs> Five hundred bucks. Bingo. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I spent... Now, now at my last... I believe that's the accurate count. I think it's a $500 movie. I guarantee you that in the final count, when I actually do the real tally of all the receipts, yeah. it's far under $1,000. Yeah. You know? And every, every penny's on the screen. <laughs> no, actually, half the pennies, only half of it's on the screen because the other half's in the gas tank. So technically it's on the screen because when yeah, you see the location. because you had to get there. Yeah, I had to get out to places which you will recognize. And our, I already did. Our well, friends, plus I, you told me where you were going. Jane and Jared and Adam and Barbara, they'll all recognize it. Yeah. Paul. Too bad you couldn't go on the uh, petroglyphs uh, tour. Yeah, I know. That's the second time I've missed that one. I still had the when I called them up and I said, "Do I still have a deposit in there?" They said, "Yeah, you do. For five people, there's uh, there's uh, you know Greitley and his wife and and um, who was it? So and those five people went. And, no, no, no. And and Sigrid and I and some Walter Bosley guy. <laughs> so I, I gave uh, you a deposit, or you covered it. I covered it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so you owe me nothing. Okay, I'm just good. using it for somebody else. I guess. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Uh, the one guy with the clearance, no problem to go there, and they're like, some Walter Bosley guy. Yeah. Well, it was... A, 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 the museum was the the, the, anthropo uh, the the history anthropological museum out there is the one who had the 
In so, so how were the petroglyphs? Are they pretty cool? We haven't gone yet. It's in December. Oh, what's what's the date? December 2nd. What, you can go? I don't know. It's, Sunday, probably, it's probably good 2nd. that I didn't commit because I, yeah. I don't know. Because I don't know if there's any spaces left. I, I might be doing interviews I think on they only the do, network yeah. and stuff by the time, because the movie's released by then. Okay. <laughs> A man the, makes $500 movie. Yes. And he's, it's not a porn. Yeah. This is not a pornographic film, folks. Just to be clear on that. No, I, uh, Walter did not giggle when he was telling me about the film. He laughed maniacally, but he didn't giggle. Oh, <laughs> lordy. Although uh, the second script that I wrote, I did contact a model to ask her if she would appear semi-nude in a couple of scenes because the character does, because she's in an ancient costume and... Oh, okay. And um, I wanted her topless. And ancient costumes always showed boobs. But so. I'm not doing uh, that particular script now. Oh, damn it. Well, uh, you know, I'll work something. I'll work Why are something. you doing this now? Why did you stop the weirdo stuff? What weirdo oh, wait, stuff? this is the, this is another form of weirdo this stuff. This is another oh, oh, you mean like the Empire of the Wheel stuff? Yeah. Oh, I haven't stopped that. Oh, I okay. just quit talking about that publicly. Oh, I've right. been working on research on the second book. The first book is you told me that I'm just you know yeah I know the first book <laughs> the first book is very quietly my number one seller for yeah. my company. It's yeah. consistently selling every month. Oh. Um, I'm doing the research. Uh, some researcher associates of uh, we're both acquainted with. Uh, one in particular is keenly interested, and um, I discuss things with him frequently. But uh, I just... Oh, I'm sorry. I just... Um, There's Walter. I just don't talk about it uh, publicly. No, Walter will no, no longer talk about the weird stuff. I'll talk about books when they come out, but I, I keep it on the books. I just don't talk about the personal experiences anymore, Which one of which I had very recently um, that had to do with an owl that I got on film, which oh, good. I'll show you at a personal time. Okay. At a personal time? Yes. Uh, um, yeah, I don't... I've heard recently all the little fights and things that are going on with UFO people and different hosts and researchers, and I'm like... Uh, I'm so glad nobody notices me. What 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 are the fights about? Are they just bitching oh, about some, who's going to be king of the no, community? No, somebody wrote a hit piece on Tim Benall, and then you know, and it was uh, it was I guess all you know lies and 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 uh, why a hit piece on Tim Benall? Isn't I Tim don't, kind of like one of the most. I don't know. I mean, I I'll, people, uh, you know, I, I just like read this third hand and I'm like, what the hell's going on here? And I I do not know what's going on. I actually don't really know who's involved, but I just saw I just, you know, just took time to look around a little bit and I'm like, what is all this crap? You know, who who's who's trying to pull this stuff off and now I will have some of your nuts. <laughs> They're fruity. Fruity nuts. Fruity nuts. Uh, anyway, it, it, without going into any detail, because right. I don't know too many. I just kind of looked at it and went out. Oh, God damn it. I just suddenly said, "I, you know, nobody talks to me anymore. Nobody has me in interviews. And maybe that's good. <laughs> 
I but mean, nobody ever like you know decided to put a hit piece on me or something or anything. And, and I'm and I'm not because you know what they're not going to find anything. I'm sorry and, to say, and I'm not asking this to insult anybody, but who's or in, you for that matter? Who's into UFOs right now? Other than people who are still kind of where most of it's still kind of new to them. Where they that lots of people, but they're still into the things that. Uh, you know, a lot of people realized ten years ago. You know, it's yeah. I think the it's, I think it's you get real interested in, it and you try to find out your answer. And if you can't find your answer very quickly, you get quickly uninterested in it. I, I, I mean, I uh, personally, the answer that I wanted to believe in, I believe I found. I you know, I came to the conclusion and was convinced that. You know, yeah, extraterrestrials are out there, but a lot of it is... I did learn that a lot of it's our own technology, and so I was satisfied with that. You know? Yeah. I, I kind of feel the same way. I had an argument with somebody... Not an argument. But I was talking... Oh, yeah, it was my friend Darren, uh, who's been on the show here. He said, oh, those crop circles are all made by people. Yeah. yeah. I, and with boards. And I said, well, it's... I think a great majority of them are, but... Unless people are lying left and right, and multiple people are lying, there's the matter, at least in the past, of the heating of the stocks, which you can't do. And it's like, okay, well, I, I've never you- heard anybody explain that. And the heating to the point where the waxy residue on them yeah. was burnt. And, you know, I, I've never heard anybody say, the only explanation I've heard for that is all those people are lying. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because what crossed my mind when you said the people that say, "Oh, it's just all people with boards," I'm yeah, and then the, people the, are thinking, "I think it's aliens." No, the, 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 the crop <laughs> circles that are let's let's talk, address the ones that are faked. I would say the method is somewhere between the boards on ropes on boards and some something else that would explain the heating and stuff like that. It's got to be a little bit more sophisticated than just some guys stomping on boards. You can do a lot with stomping on boards, yes, especially you can. if you have a I bunch agree of people. With that. Yeah. So it was like, how could you make such intricate? You can do it. So how long will they get away with it before somebody catches them on film or before someone in the group leaks it? Oh, they've leaked it all over the place. People, well, admit I, I know that some guys it. admit it, but do, do they are they able to? Do they fess up to the really sophisticated ones and pretty much convincingly fess up? Um, I thought the ones that they fessed up to were kind of not as sophisticated. Or complicated as the I some of them that are found. I am. I don't say that uh, if something looks complicated, I don't think it's out of the realm of people to think it up and do it. It's just you oh, know, yeah, it's, yeah, you you could do it. Draw yeah. it out on paper, make it a lot bigger, and then you've got your method Planning down. You goes can do a long it. way. Yeah. Um, I don't think the complicate complicated nature of some of them has anything to do with it. Uh, what I think has something to do with it is the physical nature of what happens to the crops. Because the, yeah. I asked um, Mark Pilkington, who does these things, right. and he said, oh, they're all made by people. I said, well, how do you, this is my thing. I was like, how do you explain the, you know, the interweaving of them? Oh, that doesn't happen. But I've seen pictures of it. That doesn't happen. Uh, what about the burned crop? That that's that's not that didn't really happen. Well, that's, you can't believe like, everything he says about crop circles because you can't believe everything he writes in his book. <laughs> and I finally I just the said, "Don't look." You know, I I can see where you're coming from, but I still think you're ignoring a lot of the evidence. Right. Um, unless you know something I don't, like all those people have been lying. 
if they're all lying, yeah, well, fine. Or, then I, I would or believe there's a method that he's aware of that they're using. Yeah, that I think there's they're having yeah. a lot of fun with because it fools the. Yeah, I, I, I think that some of them are too sophisticated to have people with boards. However, I don't. You know, that doesn't mean, doesn't mean I think that aliens people. are doing. Yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. it could be you know uh, some kind of guy in subconscious thing. It could be. Uh, a military thing. It could be somebody just knows how to do it because they've developed a method. You know, uh, uh, it could be um, Earth energies directed by ultra terrestrial. I mean, uh, crypto terrestrials. I don't know, but I don't think all of them are people with board. I think that anyway, I couldn't I, get this across to the person I was talking to. He's like, no, 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 no I don't want to be people. It's like, I are you actually, not listening to me? It actually this patch. It's explained by this patch. This was the post World War II era unit. That made crop circles. <laughs> the Manhattan Project people. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, there was there was cool stuff in that museum. So you brought it up again. I, I posted a couple of them on Facebook. The posters. Yeah. The poster of you know, an Arium is handsome as Goebbels, and there's a picture of this like rat looking oh, yeah, thing, yeah, and it's yeah, got yeah, a I tail remember. shape with a little swastika at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to put up some more. I've got a, a picture of the flag that was flying at Trinity when they set off the bomb, the American flag. Uh-huh. Um, they've got a big block of graphite from the original uh, first atomic uh, sustained reaction at the, at the handball field at the University of Chicago that um, Bo- Niels Bohr worked on. Oh, wow. They've got a block of the graphite used to insulate you know, the, the, oh, wow. uh, the radiation. With a cool. number on it. I mean, if you rubbed it on a paper, it would write. It's graphite, but it's like this. It's like this uh, five by five by like two foot block of graphite, and there were thousands of them in this in this array. I would imagine. So, and they had that there. They had they had uh, triggering devices for nuclear missiles, where you had to put the keys in and codes and everything. They've got those in little boxes. And they they showed the development of them from like analog to like a like a Dell lap computer, laptop computer on top of them, and real old laptops. Like we've seen too. in movies over the course of about 30 years. Yeah. Cool. All, all, just all kinds of incredible stuff there. I was like, holy... Ch-. And they, had, they had a model of the uh, first the, the uh, Trinity device. Yeah. Which, cool. it was just a big ball. Big metal ball, like maybe 8, 10 feet diameter. Completely Dude. surrounded by um, wires going into it, going to these boxes with quarter-inch plugs. Yeah. What it was was they had to get all the all the explosives to go at the same time, exactly the same time, to um, uh, start the atomic chain reaction by by compress start the fusion by compressing the uh, uranium okay. two thirty five in the middle. I, this is probably a bullshit explanation. Anyway. They had to get all the things to go at the same time, so they just hooked up all these cables, and they they hit a charge so that they all go at the same time. But the whole thing is like, there's this box with like 30 cables going into it, and another box with another 30 cables going into it, all connected to these things on this ball. It looks totally insane. Cool. And they've made made a model of it so you could see what it looked like. Um, And there was a... uh God, what else was there? Just incredible stuff. A picture of... um Civil defense stuff, air raid shelter stuff, a big can that looked like a can of paint, like a gallon can. It said uh, MPF, multi-purpose food. That's all it was. (laughs) 
What the hell is multi-purpose food? I don't know if I want to know. I bought a uh, dosimeter, an old like Civil Defense logo dosimeter. You look through the center of it, yeah. you can see how many, how much radiation you'd been exposed to. I did a thing one time when I was working for Uncle Sam where I had to, the the ID badge had a dosage yes. thing on it. And they told us, look, we'll keep these on file. For, I was only there for a month, and they said, we'll keep these on file for about a year after you leave. We'll let you know if it <laughs> turns the wrong color. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thank I you I guess I'll much. be living with that for a while. Yeah. And um, so, uh, yeah, got some experience with those. So that that's cool. Yeah, so I, yeah, I really did enjoy cool. going to that uh, uh, the museum there. I, did you, go, did you yeah. go to a conference or something? Or? No, I just went out there to, to uh, do some research, probably for a project I might do. Oh. Um, and unfortunately, the the person I was going to meet uh, avoided me, and I don't know why. That's weird. I got other useful stuff done, and we saw uh, Leslie Gunter um, and Norio Hayakawa. We saw him playing music. At a uh, at an opening of a UPS store, so we stood in a UPS store for a couple hours and watched Norio Hayakawa play music. And he's so good. He's does good he at live it. in the area? Or yeah, something? he lives. He lives okay. in, in Albuquerque, and Leslie grew up there. So, so the person you went to meet that you intend that knew you were going there to meet them, they avoided you. Yes, yeah. uh, that, that is a that's a weird community. Yes, is it and, is it a result of paranoia? You think or. I don't know, maybe. At first I was like, God damn it. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm just going to let it go. Yeah, but that, and that's kind of, yeah, I imagine you communicated with this person before you went. Yes. They knew you were going to be there. Yes. Yeah, you know, that's weird. Yeah. What can you do? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I will continue on. Oh, and I, I, was, I did not see, but I talked to um, Gabe Valdez's son, who's uh, continuing on with his... Uh, research in a way um, uh, keeping all his records and files and um, I asked him you know, for specific things like can I get anything that your dad had related to this and this and this within two days he'd scan them and email them to me really cool guy and it, I, don't, I can't remember what his, his actual first or real name is but <laughs> the family calls him Greg so it's easy for me to remember there his name know. it's like hi Greg it's Greg um Really cool guy. He's going to speak, actually, at the New Mexico Paranormal Symposium. I think that Leslie's probably going, no, that's not the name of it, uh, In uh, at the end of the month, at, on September 29th, which I was going to try and go out there, but there's like eight things going on that weekend, so I can't go. One of them is the HP Lovecraft Film Festival in San Pedro, which I and my entourage will be attending again this year. What? Is that on the 29th? 28th and 29th. Okay. And 29th, we will be out of town. The 28th is also the day that um, the film Solomon Kane finally gets its U.S. opening. In Why theaters. have I heard of that? That is uh, my favorite character of um, uh, Robert E. Howard. Kind of like the, the second most well... After Conan, Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Um, Solomon Kane is his other characters, most well-known character after Conan the Barbarian, and my personal favorite. <laughs> and they made a movie a couple of years ago, and it's a pretty cool movie. I forced myself to not watch it, either on the internet or any other way, because right. I want to see it on the big screen, and finally 
I mean, this thing was made three years ago, three or four years ago, I think, mm-hmm. and um, just didn't get U.S. release for the usual stupid reasons. Um, oh, that Carlos films. is with us. Um, but you know what's interesting is, speaking of films again, the the third idea that I started working on last night will be of keen interest to your listeners and our friend Andy Colvin because I started a kind of a uh, an Indrid Cold story for oh, the okay. third film. Yeah, good. And that I'm not sure that's going to be the film I end up doing, but I'm really liking the storyline and the the concept that I'm coming up with. So that might be in the hopper if it's not the next one that I do. If anybody wants to ask Walter a question, you can call in here or uh, poke me here on Facebook or whatever. The studio number is 213... What's it? I think it's 252 Yeah, I've been there. I, I, I've, I've been here years and years, and I still don't have that... Readily available. Nothing is ready, readily available to my consciousness anymore because I forget crap, and I tell people the same thing over and over, and it's Uh-oh. starting to get frightening. Well, I, you know, I'll be like, we'll both "Oh, be did I tell next yeah. month? Yeah, did I tell you that I, you know, the other day when I, oh god damn it, I already told you that. Oh shit, no, you know. Well, I, I hope not. Uh, it was made. Uh, Solomon Kane was made four years ago and shown once at the U in the U.S. at the Austin Fantastic Film Fest. Ah, okay. Yeah, Carlos well, it's getting says. its first um, normal release. I don't know how wide it's going to be, but uh, it opens on September twenty eighth. I'm real excited because for for we're we're probably going to go see a matinee of uh, Kane. Then we'll hit the uh, Lovecraft Festival at night. And we'll be staying in San Pedro, and we'll do it again Saturday. And Walter has an entourage. Walter has a posse. I think we should. That's make right. Some, I got my posse. Should make some uh, fo- uh, posters up for that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we roll into town, and uh, Walt we, B we, has a posse. And and when you see us coming, you better step aside. <laughs> What's that from? Uh, I can't remember. I know Carlos knows. When you see us coming, you better step aside. I'll give you another clue. It's a song. I feel capital. What? It's from Tombstone. It's what Curly Bill says in the beginning to the when he breaks up the wedding party. He says, well, "When you see us coming, you better step aside." It sounds like it's something from a mo- uh, uh, a song. But yes, you're right. Now Tombstone. I remember. But um, yeah, it's 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 a fun event. Uh, uh, Skyler was there last year. Yes, yes, she told me about it. And uh, this now this year they're featuring the uh, the use of Cthulhu in South Park. They're going to run all the Cthulhu episodes. Yeah, you know when I started seeing those on South Park, I was like, "It's come. It, this is on like major TV now." And well, before that, it was kind of an internet thing. People were, uh, it was like a meme thing that had come yeah. up. But, you know, I used to hang out, and I didn't know what that was, but I found out slowly, like in the early to mid-90s, because the people I hung out with were really into it, so I looked into it and I found out. Cthulhu. And now it's, like, popular culture. I'm thinking about getting Austin um, to put on an old-timey suit and see who, how many people realize that he's this spitting image. He's a, he's a doppelganger of H.P. Lovecraft. Is he? Oh, didn't you see the picture I posted where I took um, a half and half? I took uh, 
portrait of Lovecraft and a no, photo of Austin, and I split it down the middle, and I put them together, and it was very eerily a perfect <laughs> match. It was freaky. And at first, he wasn't sure, and the more he looked at it, he goes, oh, my God. And just recently, he found, get this, it, it blew me away. I laughed my ass off, but he just posted something where he's like, oh, my God, it's true, because he found out in Lovecraft's own words, Lovecraft talks about how much he loved pasta. And Austin loves pasta. Uh-oh. And so he realized, oh, my God, I am H.P. Lovecraft. So, Apparently, Car- Carlos says he's going to feast, feast upon your immortal soul. <laughs> Cthulhu? Yeah. He's just said, I will feast upon your immortal soul. So I, I'm assuming that Carlos has become possessed by Cthulhu. And it's funny because it's one of those things like zombies. It's been written about so much that there probably are young people. It's like, there's, it's out there. It's so much better than zombies. Yeah. Zombies are overrated, like twinkling, sparkling vampires. The other thing we did in uh, New Mexico, in Albuquerque, is a guy that owns a store called Mecca. It's a record and uh, bookstore, used records and books. And I met him years ago. I just, like, stopped there one time. It's like, oh, used records and books. I'll go and see. And since then, and I found out he used to live in L.A. and he moved out there. So uh, his name is Rocky. He owns Mecca record store but he took us i said any anything going on tonight rocky on the friday night we were there and he goes yeah there's some punk bands playing like some girl punk bands and a goth punk band it's like excellent so we went and saw him and it was a lot of fun and um one of the bands was named cthula excellent chicks yeah and they they were selling their album on little um on uh usbs but the USB was stuffed into the body of a, a hand-crocheted Cthulhu. Oh, nice. So, oh, nice. So I bought one. It's this cute little thing about this big. I should have brought it into yeah, I'll the bet show. I'll bet they'll be selling those at uh, the Film Fest. They should. They should, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, uh, that was how I, uh, when I tested the film, the trailer in the theater was, I put it on the little flash drive, and just we just plugged it in and i'm like wow because you know i mean we're you and i are the same age i started out in super eight yeah it's just to me i'm i I still get giddy when i pop my movie on a damn thumb drive and plug it in and there it is you know there's no reels going yeah some people don't like that younger younger listeners are going what's with these old guys (laughs) i just started working last week doing uh like legacy audio sort of uh, uh, digitizing. Basically, we're taking all this audio from Fox and all these places and digitizing it so that they can they can um, get rid of. Well, they have to get rid of because the videotape's gonna and audio tape is going to disintegrate. Oh, sure. Yeah. A lot of it we have to actually put in. <laughs> they're baked. We don't get them stoned. They, they take the tapes. These like thirty, twenty, thirty year old video and audio tapes. Yeah. And they've they've they're so old that the the binders and the chemicals in them have started to like make the tapes stick to each other and it oh makes the gosh. oxide come off. Yeah. But the way you can fix that, at least to play it back once. <laughs> uh, Walter likes that you said twinkly sparkly vampires. Well, actually, I said that. No, he's. I said he likes that you said. Oh it. oh 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 oh! You said Walter. You meant Carlos. Carlos says that. Yeah, yeah he liked that. Um, they have to actually take the they have to te- take the tapes and bake them at like 180 degrees for like 24 48 hours. Okay, and that's the remedy to at least play it once. Yeah, you know my my travel um, and they you know what they cook them in? You think they cook them in an oven or like some lab thing? No, fruit de- uh, food dehydrators. 
Oh. Oh. <laughs> Multi-purpose. <laughs> my um, DV tapes that I used when I was doing my travel job that are around 10 years old now, they're starting to... Uh, I, I That's why I transferred some of them onto YouTube and got them into that format as soon as I could. I've, I've got all kinds of 8mm videotape oh, that's wow. sitting around that I shot vacation video yeah, on. You need, little you need to tests get I did thinking I was going to do like little films. Yeah. Um, Running around with a camera, pretending I was a dog, sniffing at stuff and bothering people. Just yeah. junk like that. Yeah, you need to get that stuff transferred if you want to, you know. Yeah, and, I, and we're just now at work putting in all the... There's, there's Betamaxes in there. Because oh, they want to wow. get every format available so that they, they can say, we can transfer anything. To, we can cool. digitize anything. And literally, right now, they've got a. Remember what when Blu-ray and high-def DV or mm-hmm. what uh, high-def DVD were fi- fighting? Yeah. And Blu-ray ran out, won out. Well, there's still a bunch of high-def DVDs standing around, and they've got a high-def DVD machine there. Oh wow! <laughs> they've got all these old weird-ass formats. I said, I've got a Betamax that works. It's like bring it in. <laughs> I do actually have a beta, a high def, I mean a high, what's it called? It, it will record the audio in the video track so you could record this extremely high definition audio in it, on them. People, yeah. some people mastered record, I mean, uh, uh, record albums on digital, uh, on high def Betamax tape because it was a, one of the highest definition, you know, recording formats at that time before digital tape. So, weird stuff. This is very interesting to the vast listening audience, I of guess. Of course, of course. We're not talking about any weird... Well, you know, speaking of UFO sound and high def, like I said, my next film will be um, sound, a sound picture. And um, I, it will be... I want to say it'll be color, but I'm toying with the idea of doing at least the next one in black and white. Again, because yeah. I love black and white. Yes, and it'll be an hour. It'll be a ninety-minute film. It um, will be horror, of course. Horror. And last night I started something on a on a Mothman Indrid Cold theme, mostly Indrid Cold and something strange. And uh, it's just it's one of those stories that I'm let letting develop. Yeah. It started. It, it it was actually also. It's inspired by the the Indrid Cold's mythology. Plus something else, which I don't want to identify yet until I'm done with the script and decide to shoot it. But uh, it's something you would appreciate. I wonder if this is on here. I, I was listening to my... Well, it's on the iPad, which I have here. But um, there was a song that... Uh, no, it's not on here. A song that um, Andy sent to me. A couple of years ago, it's his Mothman song done to the tune of um, Walk on the Wild Side. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. Wait, it I, is hot in here, isn't it? Yes. It's so hot in here. Is it hotter? Is it you? Oh, wait. Uh-oh, who's sending me messages? Was that you? Nope. Yeah, it was. Oh, it says, it was be there in ten minutes, and you said, okay. Okay. So... And I forgot I had the song. I was like, oh, well, this is a cool song that Andy sent me once. No. 
Hmm. Well, I don't know where it is. Maybe I'll find it later. I'm not going to sit here while people are listening to the show going, wonder where that song is. Um, and I didn't write any questions out because what am I going to do? Ask Walter questions. We've known each other for so long. Um, well, the, the, the film, you didn't work on the film, so. No. You could ask questions about the film. How'd you make this film? On high definition, uh, you know, shooting at 1080p on a Handycam. Yes. And uh, oh, did you manage to? I guess you managed to get uh, a uh, system so you can do your editing. Yes, I'm using uh, the the. I'm sim- simply using Windows Movie Maker that comes on Windows Seven. Got a new. I had to end up. I'm glad you brought that up because I went through hell for about ten or eleven days because my computer was just old enough that it wouldn't open the files of my camera. The camera was newer than the movie maker had. And quite frankly, I mean, I'm strapped. I don't have the money to just go out and, you know, oh, we'll just go get this, go get that. Well, hey, why do you think I'm doing no-budget pictures, people? Um, So I then attempted to wipe my system and reload it with, uh, you know, another system so that I could have the latest, and that didn't work. And... um, I ended up just getting, you know, finally giving in and got a new laptop. And oh, it, so you did? Okay. Yeah, so it took me about five days of pulling my hair out and screaming and yelling about why they changed, why did they fix something that wasn't broken. And then I finally figured out the idiosyncrasies of their idiotic program, and <laughs> now it works fine. You know, I know I know how to work it. And uh, th- that's what I'm using. And, that, and that's part of the... Uh, my philosophy of available resources. You know, some people say, well, I won't work on anything unless I can work on Final Cut or, or whatever. I'm like, you know what? i got to work with what i got. And um, I'm not trying to compete with Hollywood. Hollywood does a really good job doing what Hollywood does. Why should I try to compete with that? Um, I, first of all, I don't have hundreds of millions of dollars or, you know, their resources. So uh, there's a niche out there. I know there's an audience out there because I know some of these people personally. They like the non-Hollywood product. I mean, that's how that's how the indie world came up, right? And yeah. uh, so we know there's an audience for that. And uh, so, I, so, you know, I, I work with what I have. So, you know, I'm using Movie Maker. And it's... Uh, now, there are a couple of bells and whistles that I'm going to probably have to spring for a, you know, an update you know, or an upgrade uh, addition to the program. Or just at that point, I can use somebody else's computer, just plug it in and plug in the flash drive and pull it up and hit a button to do this effect or that visual effect to right. the whole film. Um, but essentially... Can't find Andy's song. Essentially, that's um, that's what I'm doing. Shot it on a handy cam that shoots 1080 and doing it on a laptop with Windows Movie Maker. Windows 7 Movie Maker. Uh, Movie Maker Live. And, um, you know, it's working. It's fine. Uh, now, what uh, I sat down um, the other night with uh, my friend and Emmy, twice Emmy-winning editor, Scott Eilers, who I've known since high school. Yeah. And um, uh, he took a look at, uh, went through the film with me, and I made extensive notes on his commentary. And... Uh, uh, it really, I liked. I know, saw his name on stuff that I was doing at work. 
Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, because he he he's been doing this stuff for years, and uh, Prison Break was his most yes. recent long running. Yeah, I had series. to watch thousands, thousands. I had yeah. to watch many episodes of Prison Break. Yeah, and um, uh, but uh, uh, it's coming along. It's and 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 I, I'm taking a break right now because I'm doing promotional stuff. I'm doing some newspaper interviews on the film premiere event. Um, I'm doing another podcast tomorrow night, and I'm uh, probably going to be doing a local cable TV radio thing um, sometime in the next week, and more newspaper stuff. I mean, we're really promoting this thing, you know. Uh, We want it to be a successful event, and... um, then I'll jump back probably after this week I'll jump back into you know the post production I have until November 25th so yeah you know and sometimes you just have to take a break and step back and then look at something with fresh eyes oh always you know i uh, i rec- i'm writing um a foreword for Paul's book and i hadn't written anything in a while and i I remember I have to step back from stuff and and when you're finished with something I I've, I've got this habit where I look at it 24 hours later just to see if I cuz most of the time I'll look at it and go what the hell was I thinking yeah. so you have to you know I I do that with writing put it away pull it back out and go oh okay yeah yeah because um that's how you defeat the falling in love with what you do and treating it like your little baby that's so perfect. You know, you have to go back and hack and slash. Yeah, yeah that I think that tends to be done by people that think they don't have, or they just had that one idea their whole life. It's like, what, are you scared you're not going to come up with another one? Right. I, I'm scared I'm not going to come up with another one, but I might as well just go ahead. <laughs> but how you come up with them repeatedly is by continuing to do the process. Yeah, you, you just keep coming up with because not every idea is going to be brilliant, but it, well, you, most you, of them it, aren't. It, it's like a muscle. The vast majority of them are terrible. Creativity or... is like a muscle. You got to keep working it to keep it strong and, and doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Well, so, like anything, you know. Yeah, there, there, there. Inspiration is a real thing, of course, and you tend you you. Yeah, well, there's no inspiration the unless you've been tacking away at it. Well, sometimes though, well, the sometimes there comes, is, but you know, you can't say, "Well, you're going to wait till I get inspired." Yeah. It's like. No, you, you can't gotta, wait till you get inspired. It. And we it live doesn't in, work. We live in a time, not unless you're a trust fund brat, where you can get your stuff out there. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, there's no real excuse actually. You can get your stuff out there. Like self-publishing today, among people with a brain, does not have a stigma about it like it used to. The only people that still have a hair up their ass about self-publishing, they're living in the past. And they just haven't seen the light that, you know, hey, just because somebody published it themselves doesn't mean it's shit. It used to be that way yeah. because the cost was too prohibitive, you know, or or whatever or they, they were getting sucked. published. Or th- if they were good, they were getting published. Right. You know, by the bigger houses and stuff. Well, that got all gummed up. And, um, you know, we technology changed and allowed people to not have to wait. Here we go. There's the siren. I hope everybody's listening. That's listening is happy. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get a 
decent recording of that and when we're doing them from the house. That's another thing. I'm, I, we're in the studio here at Kill Radio, and uh, we are... Oh, God, I hope I have the right link up at the Radio Mysterioso site. I'll bet you don't. I don't. Um, Nobody's listening. No. No, there there are people listening. Yeah, but the people who wanted to are cursing you and saying that damn Greg. There's nothing on here. No, it's the link does say Kill Radio. Good. Oh, there you go. Okay. Um, I knew you did. I believe in you. I was going to quit here, and I don't know. I guess it might still be a possibility because nothing worked or things would work differently every week or something. Right. Every time I come in now, things are generally in a... Yeah, look at this. They're generally in a uh, operational mode, and nobody's messed with them, which is amazing to me. Well, that maybe, somebody would uh, leave things in a you know in a in a mode where everybody could come in and know they had a baseline to start working. Had with. you voiced your opinion to anyone? Yes, a few well, people. Right uh oh, no, we can't hear you. What'd you do, Walter? What'd you do? I unplugged it. Sorry. Oh. Maybe it, maybe the word got to the right people. Yeah. So uh, some members of the station came in. That is a new board. It's not just oh, a cleaned up old one. Yeah. And look different. Did you notice when we came in, the microphones are sitting in places where people could use them? I, like they were said, routed I like, to the right I like thing. The new setup. It yeah. looks like more like a studio. It looks right. Yeah, we're sitting across from each other. And yeah, maybe I'll go and get more of those um, radio show things like I had in here. For and then a while. they added this. Yes, they had they added the hypno wheel uh, uh, turntable uh, mats. Maybe I had to get some of those. I got one from from the guy in Albuquerque, actually, the the record store. <laughs> um, yeah, so Albuquerque was fun. We went to that museum. Um, we saw Leslie. Uh, she told us, as uh, Farah says, "The latest UFO gossip," <laughs> and it had nothing to do with what I just said about Tim. That I found out on my own. Um, Things must be really getting boring in the UFO world where UFOs are concerned. Well, I'm for not paying to... attention, so there might be all kinds of stuff going on. I just never really hear about it. And if I do hear about it, it does. It's nothing that really advances anything. It's just That's kind of I mean. like yeah, yeah, it's just kind of like people fighting with each other and complaining, yeah. or doing the same thing again, or um, doing something new that's completely stupid. You know, I mean, what's the where's 2012 at right now? Are the diehard true believers? I don't hear anything from any 2012 anybody. It's kind of like it's not discussed anymore. Um, Yeah, I haven't heard it on. And it's so weird because it's still got like a couple months to go. We're we're right up to the point. I mean, we're we're getting closer. Yeah. So I think more to be honest, it's it's my favorite peeve is you can't get anybody to talk about a goddamn thing other than politics. That and that's the obsession right now. Yeah, everybody's worked some, up over. Yeah, politics. I did some uh, uh, practice softball, softball practice for our game tomorrow, our first game of the season. And at the end of the game, everybody's talking about politics, and I just I said, "Sorry, you got to go." I mean, I have my opinions, I have my positions, I I, I keep an eye to it, I pay attention to what's people going like, on. People are like, "Well, I don't know if this is going to offend you." It's like I'm in the I am registered extremely declined to state. Yeah, it, it's because it's none of anybody's goddamn business. My, and, my bitch, you know. my gripe is that you it, it's there's a lot of people that used to talk about other things once in a while. You could get them, you know, fairly regularly to you know talk about other things that now they won't. It's just twenty four seven wall to wall political opinion, and you know what? That's turned a lot of people into a bunch of bores. <laughs> 
and I'm just kind of it it you know it it just really it's it's boring. Yeah, I mean, it's I, boring. Yeah, I don't want to hear it. And people say, "Well, it's because you don't know what you're talking about." Exactly. There you go. If if you're not into it and obsessed, then you're ignorant. Okay, screw you. Whatever. Yeah, well, that's. I, I don't mind people having opinions or being concerned about things. What I can't stand is the chicken little stuff. <laughs> I'm tired of the, it's the end at hand, the sky is falling. It's like, you know what, folks, we've heard this before. Yeah, did you, have you not looked at uh, history and people saying, oh, everything's you know. screwed now? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, they say that every decade, every year, every month. you know, be manipulated to... To, they're getting worked up over stuff that if what they say was really going to happen, there's not a damned thing they can do about it. Yeah. So, Actually, I, there was a guy today who was saying, oh, well, my, my grandmother, when she left Russia, a Russian Jew, she there were only two places on the... And this, I said, when was this? He goes, oh, well, at the turn of the 20th century. And, you know, she didn't have enough money to send the whole family. So he said she got her, her and her youngest daughter... They got on the boat. There were only two places left to go to the United States. The other daughter, she said, here's all the money I've left. You can go to Israel. And I I said, uh, Israel didn't exist yet. He said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They went to, and I said, uh, and I said Palestine? Yeah. <laughs> they went to Jerusalem or around there. Yeah. Uh, because that's where they were, you know, there, there were already a bunch of um, Jews from Eastern Europe, Russia, all those places living there right. uh, when Israel uh, gained right. its independence. Right. So, yeah, I was just kind of. You know, and the guy's real smart, but he forgot that Israel didn't exist before 1947. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's you know everybody's into politics, so you know, and they will be. Yeah, and they, yeah. November all they were talking about it was you know, you know, Bush was a shitty president, and Clinton was pretty good, and Carter was real smart, but he wasn't a leader. And it's like you know all this stuff I agreed with, but I didn't care. Yeah, it's it's you know what's sad is is there's. At some point, you kind of got to get on with the other things in life, and what they're doing is they're affecting the rest of us doing that. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I mean, none of them want to hear me talk about my Hell's Bells movie because I'm not damning Obama or damning Romney or Bush or, 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 or yeah. you know, I'm not injecting my politics into it. Well, to, to be fair, the one guy, it, it was... It, it was okay for a while and then i just got tired of it but he was saying i'm talking to people and that i hear things come out of their mouths and i'd say i just heard that on glenn beck the other day and i asked mm. him i was like did you hear that on glenn beck uh uh yeah why don't you bother to make your own opinion because it's too much work yeah it's easier to just listen to what or, you know and i'm not i'm not singling out right-wing people left-wing people do it too just oh, parrot yeah. the whatever well the wings the wings the wing nuts do it <laughs> then there's us who are a little bit more in the come on people can we can we get back to a reasonable existence towards I, the I guess I'm in that thing that's that's why I like um, I think you are I, I, that's why I like comedians because they're like stand up comedians they're like they can say whatever the hell they want at this point and I think it's wonderful and well, they make fun of everybody which is what should be done yeah there's nobody, at least the intelligent ones, pick on everyone. There's who's True. that guy that Frank? What's his name that does the impersonations of? He does a great one of Bush. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his. last He's got name. an Italian name, I think. Yeah. Anyway, great impersonations of Bush, but he does the same thing with Clint. He does it with everybody. He does, yeah, he's an equal opportunity, yeah. you know, dinger. But uh, and I, I like that. 
Of course. I like that he can see that there's bullshit all over the place. Yeah, it's fair and balanced. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's one of the few fair and balanced Uh things. You know, so it, it's and, and this this is my thing. I know where I stand politically. I don't want to talk about it all the time to everybody. I, I want to make my movies and take a, get a break from that stuff because that's what li- what life is really about is what we do with our lives. And yes, we have to pay attention to these bigger issues. Yes, we should participate in that. But when it gets to the point where you're not doing the other things that your life is about because you're so damn worried about that. Then you're really not Frank Caliendo. Caliendo. Yeah. 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 Then you're you're really not balancing things out. You're going to drive yourself insane. Yeah. Or at least be a big big bore. You know. And um, so this is why you know I keep you know doing my movies and like to talk about them and my books and stuff. Um, because I don't want everything I do to involve these politicians. Yeah. In the in these issues. I think it's great we have a president who seems like he's always looking directly into the sun. <laughs> Somebody do me a favor and hand me a pair of sunglasses. <laughs> That's dead on. He's good. Great. I mean, it's a- Somebody get me a visor. <laughs> Sir, you mean advisor, no a visor. <laughs> what are you, stupid? And he's the only person I've ever seen do this when he talks. What's he doing? He's kind of nodding and putting that. his hands up. I'm always, when I'm watching, I'm always waiting for him to go gobble, gobble. Yeah, that's his big his catchphrase. What I, what I truly love is when he gets something right. Because when our president gets something right, he is the happiest man on earth. He gets that little smile on his face, that I can't believe that came out correctly smile. It's like a fan is blowing on him two or three hundred miles an hour. He's not getting word of world hunger. He's just getting all the way through the sentence and he's content. Right? Be like, and that's why the United States will lead us all to peace. <laughs> yeah, this is on YouTube, so you can't really see it. But God, the guy's impersonation is like. Yeah, he does and you're right. Other, you know, he does it on everybody. I wonder what this move was. Then I realized he's kind of like a slot machine. Because every time he opens his mouth, he knows he's gambling just a little bit. He could never have gotten himself out of the stuff Clinton got himself into. There's no way. Clinton was so smooth. He he could lie his way out of anything. He could stand in front of you right now, look you all directly in the eyes, and say, I am not here. <laughs> what is here? Isn't here just there without a T? <laughs> if the Monica Lewinsky scandal happened to President Bush, there's no way he gets out of it. Put him on the stand. Mr. President, you have relations with that woman, Monica Lewinsky? Uh... <laughs> What did they tell me to say here? <laughs> that was out loud, wasn't it? <laughs> I cannot believe I said that. There's two kinds of words, inside words and outside words. 
inside words stay in, outside words come out. That time an inside word popped out. Gobble, gobble. Yeah, that was good. So, yeah, it, um, that that's why it's... Uh, yeah, th- This is why I'm happy with my Empire of the Wheel book being my bestseller because, you know, occasionally I, I've... I'll get out there and talk about it on a podcast, although I haven't talked about it specifically on a podcast in a while. But um, people are hearing about it, and they're buying it, and um, it's kind of a, like I said, a a nice, quiet consistency. And it's um, because sometimes I feel like I'm in one of those desert scenes where there's nothing all around you for miles, and you hear the... (laughs) <laughs> the wind and you know because unless you're talking about politics you feel like you're getting ignored you know i mean look on i test mm. this on facebook um the people i work with never talking about politics we talk about everything but well the, the people i choose to be around you yeah. know same, same i thing didn't choose to be part. around these people but it's funny because I, well that's a lot good. of you're, places you're i've worked at Fairly intelligent people because they got to do stuff where they can't screw up. Yeah, um, I'm not saying I'm that way, but I'm you know I'm struggling to keep up with them. But yeah. the, the the point is that there's uh, there's so many other like we'll we'll talk about music, we'll talk about movies, obviously, we'll talk about philosophy, about history, about right. all kinds of stuff. You know what was on TV, comedy stuff we like. No politics, hardly. Hardly, because I, I think a lot of them realize. Look, you know, well, nobody's going to convince anybody of anything. So well, it's just, and, and you know, if you get, you can have. There's people, a couple people there I can, and I don't agree with them. But the thing is, they don't care. That's well, what's cool. You know, think about how many people you're friends with, and you got these great friendships with that you probably don't agree politically. Why ruin a friendship over that? Well, if they were kind of piece of people that would, I still wouldn't. I wouldn't be talking to them anymore. Yeah. Well, yeah, good point. But you know, but I, people it, that are secure enough, they're just like, well, whatever. Yeah, you I know? mean, I know my I I move. Why in cir- do you? Ha- yeah. Why do I have to have somebody agree with me? I, I don't move really in circles, care if they do or not. I move in circles. I know damn well these people don't agree with me politically. But you know what? I they still like me. I get along with them. Why? One of the big reasons is we don't talk about that shit. Yeah. Or when we do. We have an intelligent conversation, and they actually learn my real positions, and they go, yes. oh, this guy's not a conservative asshole. Yes. This guy is, you know, th- these He's are just his... a regular asshole. Yeah, he's just a regular <laughs> asshole, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, I mean... I don't agree with you on some political stuff, but I don't give a shit. And the thing is, I haven't... I'm not going to argue with people, and I will be honest. I'm I'm not going to argue with people, Rad, because I haven't done enough thinking on it to be arguing with them. Well, uh, on know, certain issues. Otherwise, like you, if they say, if you, you know, had, you'd be a conservative. Yeah, yeah. if they, you know, they're... <laughs> exactly. I slipped that one in. I'm yeah. just kidding. I kid. But my more wingnut conservative friends, there's things I do and positions I have that just drives them nuts. But I'm like, hey... Uh, I'm not even going to say sorry about that in a sarcastic well, I'm not, way because I'm not, I'm not sorry a liberal about person either. Paul. You know? I, I, yeah. I'm an issues person. I think you're an issues person. Yeah, you know. And um, I just called you Paul. Oh, because I was looking at Paul's message down there <laughs> from like an hour ago. And 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 I think you know I can coexist with people who don't whose philosophy is not exactly like mine. That there's some people out there that have got themselves to a frame of mind where they think, by God, they cannot and they will not. Like, what is that? You're giving yourself gray hairs and an early death. Yeah, well, and, you know, contributing to 
people bombing the shit out of each other because they hate them. Yeah. Because they don't agree so, with them. You know. Of all stripes. Uh, it's it's not... Yes, it's a simplistic way to look at things, but... Sometimes you just have to be simplistic and get on with life, you know, to, yeah. to, to enjoy Well, if you're life. into politics, go and hash out politics with your political friends. That's fine. Yeah, be involved. Be involved. But um, no, I'd rather... I'd, I'd rather do my thing. You know, after 18, when you count the year I did background <laughs> investigations, after 19 years in the national security service profession, I I kind of want to do the things I want to do for my existence, you know, for my life, because I feel like I did that serving the greater country stuff for several years. So, you know... Paul says, you know, for two guys who say you don't like talking about politics, We've been doing you're spending it for, what, a lot of time minutes? talking about politics. <laughs> arguing? No, no, no. We're just... No, he says talking about Talking about it, yeah. <laughs> We're not arguing. I mean, I... I oh, lordy. So anyway, um, my uh, movie has <laughs> nine people in it. Or How was 11? that segue? Everybody like that and, segue? Um, I, let me tell you about the actors in my film. The, the, the lead uh, is Jesse James Kowser. He is... Um, one of the, the finest actors that's come out of Crafton Hills College up there. Um, I've seen him in a few plays, and every time I see him in a play, he gets the most applause from the audience. He's a he's a fine actor, um, and uh, uh, then there's um, oh Jesse was in if you recall the film I started Green Spot Road. Yeah. Which we stopped because there was a. They initially were going to tear down the bridge that was the central theme of the movie. Yeah. So it was like, oh shit, you know. Of course they didn't, and I expanded it into a full length feature, which I'm hopefully we're going to get to. But um, anyway, I uh, cast Jesse in the lead. He plays uh, Joseph, um, the financially desperate brother of the woman who's seduced by the um, sinister, mysterious Fausto, who's played by a. Actor named Joshua Einertsen, um, who was working at one of the cafes I oh, hang okay. out in. That's where I found the guy, and he's got a look. He resembles Ben Kingsley, a young <laughs> Ben Kingsley. And um, then, of course, the third lead, um, there's three main leads, is uh, Eloisa Alanis. Eloisa Alanis Gomez. She got married during the production, and she was in the original version of Hell's Bells, which was an 18-minute short called Treasure of Kukulkana, if you remember that, when I did that in 2010. This Hell's Bells is kind of a, a remake that's been lengthened into feature length, and she was in that. In fact, she and Ray Howard are the two people returning to Hell's Bells from, they were both in Treasure of Kukulkana. And Ray, of course, plays a character named Donkey Shit Pete, <laughs> who they <laughs> who they meet out in the desert on their little adventure. And then there's um, Michelle McClellan and Susie Shields, yeah. who um, or Joshua brought them in, and they play the mysterious ladies in black. And they're a oh, lot the of ones fun. that are in the ads. Yes, and they're a lot of fun. Their characters are fun, and they're really cool to work with. And then, of course, there's the uh, Krizenga boys, Jeremy and Justin. Jeremy is uh, an actor, a, a, a Redlands actor known to uh, Redlands theater uh, community. He does a lot of musical and other stage productions out there with the Lifehouse Theater. And uh, he's a really good actor. And he and his brother have, I think, 
probably the funniest scene in the movie. There, there is humor in this thing. Um, I, you know, it's like I'll tell the audience when I introduce it. When you see this movie, go ahead and laugh because <laughs> we did while making it. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, Jeremy and Justin play monks, and um, that's you know probably the funniest scene in the film. And um, of course, there are a couple other guys who play junior monks briefly my nephew bobby harkins jr oh yeah there's a still of them or them just standing yeah, and, there in the trailer tony webb who, who's an uh, actor in ukaipa and um it it's it's a lot of fun it's a good cast they work on contingency if the movie makes enough money then they get paid up to their fee and uh they get a copy of the film and you know they're willing they're willing to do that and I, that's great yeah. um the the way i structure my films are the the lead or a couple of the leads or the i i try to do it this way it wasn't exactly this way on hell's bells for the, the half of the people it probably was but the next one the two main leads will be the only two actors who work every day yeah. and the rest of the actors most of them i will just need them for one day that's how i write the stories right so that i can have a cast of 10 people mm-hmm. but i do it in that way to where right. it's not taxing on their schedules and i can keep what i pay them low it's low to begin with believe me uh, we ain't talking about no scale crap here these are non-union productions th- three no two messages well one's from my wife who said she ate the uh <laughs> Ate a, ate a piece of the green chili quiche I made, and it's pretty good. Anyway, Paul, Carlos said, good, good politics is about thoughtful compromise. We have bad politics, which is about belief and dogma. True. True. And Paul says, you guys should each give your top ten list of favorite Nick Redford books, which would cover about 10% of his total output. <laughs> <laughs> well, my top five are probably the ones I mentioned in. <laughs> <laughs> he, um... He was on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, when the uh, Curiosity rover landed. Yes. He was on that night. Yes. And then we watched it right after the show from at my house. Um, but I, I said, I'm going to stop. That's a pretty powerful telescope you had there. Yes. I had to pull it out of storage in the garage. And uh, we, we saw it uh, about... How many? 15 minutes after it happened, because it took that long for the light to get to the telescope. You know, it's right down the street from me. You want to go to the Craig Ferguson show one day? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. I've been wanting to go. I just kind you of at, at got into Craig Ferguson this yeah. summer. And uh, that shows you how boring my life was, never going anywhere. I got into the, uh, a late night show. I mean, I never watch anything more than twice. You know what show I'm watching like a fiend? Oh, I already told you. You watched it with me. Lay, uh, 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 no Reservations. Oh, yeah. Well, you, I, that's kind of when I got turned on to it. You know, I, had I just seen like a stumbled onto it, and I was like, "Yeah." And then I watched some with you, and I got Kitchen Confidential, and uh, I, yeah, it's all, now this is his last season, right? Yeah. Oh, then man. I guess he'll be doing something else, but yeah, yeah. That I never haven't watched all the old great old shows. Ones. He did great one show. on he did one on Baja California that had every like every two or three ch- shows. He leaves me like emotionally drained and in tears. Literally, I have, I have three favorite types of porn, and he covers two of them. Food and travel. <laughs> yeah, he keeps saying. Yeah, he keeps. He's one of the first person people to use food porn, and I, the, I, I, I think it was me coined the term about eight, ten years ago. UFO porno. 
Ah, which is basically, yeah. you know, because I like UFO porno, which is basically reading really juicy stories about UFO sightings and encounters. Uh, or, uh, you know, or uh, pictures or like some video or whatever. Now, now what would make Bourdain... It, do, it does nothing except make you go, whoa! Now, what would make Bourdain's show perfect would be if his co-host were Sam Brown so we could see her in the bikini shots once again. <laughs> she's like the... Who's that? Sam Brown is... She's the antithesis of what I'm usually attracted to. She's like this... She's got the short mom haircut, yeah. and she's just kind of a—I don't know if you call her nerdy, but she's just she's kind of semi-nerdy, but really, but she just because she's a travel guru. That's you got the travel porn aspect right, going right. there, and she's an attractive, attractive woman, but she's got a great sense of humor. She posted this photo on her Facebook where she's in, I think, Indonesia or somewhere where she was—they were making some some food or doing something and she's there and she's wearing this top this yellow top and or this orange yellow top and her own caption was nice mangoes because her <laughs> boobs were like pretty prominent <laughs> she put that on herself nice mangoes like, oh, i love that woman but uh, she did a really she did my favorite travel show for a few years there in the early through the 2000s late 90s and stuff it was a really good travel show and um, I don't think I, I think saw she it. She quit doing it, but um, Sam Brown, she's awesome. Um, she shows up on Travel Channel stuff, but um, yeah, Bourdain. Yeah, when we're in Japan in a couple months, I'm going to try and break away from um, Sigrid and I are going to try and break away from our families and uh, maybe with my sister and just go wander. We're going to be in Yokohama for like three days. Go do some Bill Murray type stuff at night. I don't know, just like. Go to sort of look and, in, you know, try and do a little bit of research beforehand. Play pachinko. Yeah. And just go and wander. They do that, right? Pachinko? Is yes, yes. Thing? It's still, I think it's still big. It's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. A tradition, it's kind of like skee ball here. It's, it's an no, older it thing. No, no, no. I know it's, they gamble on it. And, but what I'm saying yeah. is it's one of the older things that's still a staple yes, yes. in gallery type yeah. gaming. You yeah. can still go there, play pachinko. And if you do well, I guess it's almost totally by chance yeah if you do well you get like little prizes you know, yeah. that's cool. worth more than the money that now, you put have you into been it. to japan refresh my memory yeah like, it's been a long time right it's been six years oh not that long ago then no okay okay so yeah, duh that was a dumb question because we talked about when you went to japan more than once because your mom yeah so. so we're gonna go to Kyoto first, and I'm gonna drag Sigrid. Well, well Is they're it gonna Sigrid's first trip. That's, yes, that's yes. what. I, that's I think where my mind was trying yes. to go. It's it's her first trip to. Oh, awesome! Japan. And my mom says I'm not going anymore because I can't travel. She's just she can't move. Really? She can get up and move and do stuff, but if she has to do it for more than like you know half an hour, well, she's like forget it. She has to sit down. Think about it. Traveling is is taxing. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, I. You know what's funny is. Um, What's on my mind? I would love to go. Childress is doing um, uh, a wex trip to uh, Peru and uh, Bolivia and Lake Titicaca. And Titicaca! I, I, I really want to go on that one, but I realized, you know what? When I went the first time, I had been in Colombia, in Bogota, which is fairly high altitude. Not as high as where we were in South America. Yeah. But um, I'd been there a month before going on David's trip uh, in 2003. Um and that first time to Bogota, by the third day, I, one day I felt like I had an axe in my head 
shake from the altitude. Yeah. And I got oh, I've the, had that. I had the three shots in the ass cheeks and the, was taking Neo Saldina for three weeks after that. And even then on David's trip, I got the headaches in Cusco and I got the ick sometimes. The what? Um, it just kind of the lower intestinal ick. Oh, okay. You know, but the pounding headaches, even on Neo Saldina. Um, and uh, uh, anyway, my point is, to go now, I would probably. I'm concerned that I'd be miserable, and you know, take a bottle of oxygen. I don't maybe. know if they let you bring that on the plane. No, though. no, hell no. You can You'd have to get it there. But that—that's my concern—is that I'd be miserable. But that's what I'm talking about. Is you know, travel. There's aspects of it. There's certain places that you realize. You know what? I got to consider the altitude. I got to consider this or that. Because on vacation, I don't like being miserable. Now, when you're over there, when I was in Japan, it was only at the airport on my way to the Philippines, and I—it was just literally a, a layover. I didn't have a chance to like two hours. I didn't have a chance to leave. No, the you don't. Two hours is not. I mean, even three. Yeah. You get into the five and six, maybe. And on the job, I don't like to chance that, you know. Oh yeah, because you might I, you know miss what? your. I did that in Amsterdam connection. once. You know, yeah. I remember the other guy said, "Look, if you have the long layover in Amsterdam, you can. They don't care if you take the town train in, get some breakfast or whatever." Yeah, I did that. I went to a waffle place, had some uh, breakfast right outside the train station, and then yeah. headed back to the. Get some Dutch waffles, not Belgian. Yeah, Dutch waffles. <laughs> and uh, that sounds like a really disgusting pink, sort of sexual it, thing. Wait, I got the Dutch waffle. Well, I me. did. I did the that part of town when I was getting out of the Air Force. <laughs> yeah, on terminal leave. Woo-hoo. Yes, you told me about that. And um, uh, and then I think in Frankfurt, I because the train's right there at the airport in Frankfurt. That's even easier. I had like an eight-hour layover. Oh, well, so you I went go do town, all kinds of stuff. Looked at cuckoo clocks, went in and got something to eat. And there's this part of town I heard where there's girls, but, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe I wandered down that street. Maybe, possibly. Maybe, possibly. Um, just to look, mind you. Um, all these females I know in this world are now going, Oh, what a disgusting pig. And to think I've talked about UFOs with that man. What? Who's saying that? Nobody's saying that. Hopefully not. Um, anyway, back to Japan. Um, do you? Uh, here's something I want you to do. I think you can do this in Japan. Do the thing where you put your feet in the pool and the little fishies clean it off. If you clean your feet off, is that in Japan? I'm not sure, but you know, if it exists, they probably have it there. I think it is Japan. Oh yeah. Go to Tokyo Disneyland. We're not going to be in Tokyo. Oh, okay, because they've got the coolest friggin' adventure land. I'm pissed. Oh. I think theirs is the one I posted how cool their adventure land is. Yeah. You've got a river cruise that goes around all adventure land. Wow. And these boats that... And, right, and right. It's really awesome. Do they have the uh, squirting hippos and the the uh, hunters in the tree going up and down? And oh, the, they probably have, yeah, all that. All that, but, um, you, you know, know... The other day we had nothing to use. Let's go to Disneyland. Because we still have those passes. You got the passes. Good, because yeah. it's 87 bucks a pop now just for one day in the Magic Kingdom. That's just for Disneyland, not yeah. for both. I know. Park Hopper's $87. Like, Park Hopper's like 120 yeah, or something ridiculous. 120 bucks. I'm sorry. I love the place, but damn. Yes, damn. I mean, damn. Yeah, we got the, I don't know why, but Sigrid got the deluxe everyday parking paid for passes. No blackout. Wow. So anytime we feel like, oh, let's go to Disneyland. You, you chose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> Something I, I don't know why there. she did it, but she did. And oh. I'm happy for it. 
You chose wisely. Yes. And then every year she goes, she goes, your turn to pay for Dodger tickets. My turn to pay for Dodger tickets. So it's nice. It's very nice. I'm very happy. Niners won today. <laughs> Just I like don't I even said, care about would. football. I don't even. I'm not a big football guy, but I. it's a family tradition to be a Niners fan. This has been sitting here on my computer. Every time you say Fausto, yeah. I think of the Hervé, Hervé Villachez character in The Forbidden Zone. Have you seen The Forbidden Zone? Not for a while. Oh, but or, you've or seen only it. Only parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. I have seen parts of it. Hey, did the guy that made... Um, Danny Elfman's brother, Richard Elfman, made that. American Correct. Astronaut, did he ever make anything else? Yes. He made something called um, Stingray Sam, which was a serialized cowboy space musical. It was, it's done that in like 10-minute segments. I like the title. Yes. Stingray Sam. Yes. And uh, he's, he's just completed another film called Crazy and Thief, starring his two kids. Cool. <laughs> you know, I've been watching, speaking of what we've been watching, um, <clears throat> the channel I've been watching a lot lately is MeTV, because yeah. late at night they show Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. <laughs> you know, I, I got I to admit, when I was a kid, I liked the Irwin Allen stuff. Yeah. You know, Land of the Giants. Uh, yeah, I think I did, too. That, yeah. Um, yeah, Irwin Allen did Land of the Giants, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, because um, uh, Quinn Martin did The Invaders. I used to watch it right. with my dad every week. But uh, yeah, MeTV shows all that stuff, you know, and and um, it's cool. I like seeing it. Now they were showing um, one of the channels was showing Kansas City Confidential, a series that starred John Payne. Yeah, and it's pretty good, actually. To be honest, it it's the best thing I've ever seen. It's the, I, it's the best. It's the most I've ever liked John Payne. I don't dislike John Payne. I mean, yeah. he's he was one of those great supporting actor kind of guys but he's really good in this kansas city confidential <laughs> carlos says time tunnel time tunnel yes 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 absolutely well i've had some weird some of my early weird um experiences were directly related to the time tunnel series um that i won't Whoops. go into now because i don't talk about those things publicly anymore but <laughs> um but yeah time tunnel that's an awesome one um and uh, anyway, I watch it. I watch that. I watch Ferguson. I watch TCM, of course. Yeah. Um, I'll watch independent film, IFC sometimes, because you know I, I can't stand it when the film channel runs. Like, they run Malcolm in the Middle during the day. Ah! It's, a, it's a goddamn TV series that, I, to be honest, I never liked to begin with. I wanted to show Walter the uh... Liberty Chew. The the, the the Stingray Sam, the Corey McAvey, oh, oh, okay, uh, just cool. just a little bit. Of, and you can hear it here. I mean, it's it's nice to hear too. Whoops! All right. Why does it keep thinking? That's not it. Let's see if it it'll come back. Show the porn clip. Is that it? That's yes, right that's there. the porn clip. No, it's the end of the first episode. They're all ten minutes long. It's like this old serialized. Oh, it looks like I saw a chicken underwear Liberty or a swimsuit Chew or something. There is. Tobacco presents Stingray Sam is not a hero. He did the music, wrote it, directed it. Listeners hear this too? Yeah. It's going out on. Oh, excellent! This is a high-speed professional operation here. <laughs> really? He, yes. He, uh, yeah. he narrates it? Oh, cool. 
I guess my guffaws are blasting the sound. Sorry about that. This is the planet Mars. It was once known as the resort and entertainment capital of the universe. <laughs> Over the years, the appeal of Mars has worn thin. The ideas that its entertainment industries were once based on are no longer valued among smart awesome. young couples yeah, I like looking already. for a good time. No, Mars has seen its day. Now it has become a home for forgotten people with shattered dreams, looking for that break that just isn't there anymore. <laughs> These are today's visitors. Then there are those who occupy this planet, the ones who capitalize on these, the misfortunate. But don't judge them too harshly. They came to Mars for the same reason as everyone else. Only now they have nowhere else to go. Excellent. I'm digging it. The girl, these, these girls dancing in bikinis, they look so bored. It's wonderful. They look Welcome like twins. Mars. Oh, it's him. It's Corey McAfee. Welcome to life among the stars. Welcome to hotels and restaurants and bars. Where you'll never be homesick anymore. There's one guy watching Didn't the first one happen because what, what, didn't he have a band before he did the first yes. movie? Yeah, yeah. the Billy, Billy yeah. Nair show. Okay, why isn't this guy on the big screen? This is the kind of guy that should be able to... I, when I go to the movies and pay 10 or 11 bucks to see a movie, I want to see something interesting like this. I don't want to see Spider-Man 5. Yeah. I don't no, want to see I love this. Spider-Fucking-Man 1. All right. Thank you very much, and thanks for coming out tonight. And now it gives me a great deal like of pleasure David to Naughton. introduce yeah. to you <laughs> our dancers for this evening. This is... Heaven and Star from Liberty Chew Chewing Tobacco. <laughs> Liberate yourself with Liberty Chew Tobacco and join the Tobacco Chewing Liberation. These ladies will be handing out free samples of tobacco later on, so stick around, make oh, yourselves at home. Uh, there's a lot more entertainment to come, and if you have any problems, just let me or the bartender know, and we'll see what we can do about it. Thank you very much. You need this? <laughs> Oh. Anyway, uh, if cute. you go to Corey McAbee's site, um, you can. I, what I did was you can buy the films directly from him, and you download them. Oh, cool! In high def or whatever you want to do. So I just I did it, the download took like four hours, but it's the entire series in high def. Um. Yeah, it's it is basically it's just like the last one. It's basically an interplanetary cowboy musical. <laughs> it's it, it's it's interesting cinema. Yeah, you know it's 
Is it a, a and it's in black and white? It's in my favorite. Yeah, you know, is it a? Uh, uh, he shot it on film on sixteen, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's, his friend shows up and. Uh, that might not mean a lot to you, but awesome. it means a lot to me and a lot of people who come here to see a lounge. You know, to achieve. You know, kind of the cult Besides status or whatever. Might be the only chance you and I um, ever get to do something. That's right. Well, you the one that said you that's an honor. To help somebody someday. In my opinion, if if anyone ever bestowed that on something I did, I'd feel like, oh man, I accomplished something. <laughs> I, made I made it. Cult film. I made it. You know, because you know, here's the thing. My son Austin. He's going to be 22. He's got possibly a Hollywood future in front yeah. of him. Me, I'm going to be 49 years old. <laughs> I'll be happy just to make the stuff I make the rest of my life. Do I want to make money at it? You bet your ass I do. Yeah. You know, because, because Paul, yes, I'm a capitalist. <laughs> I know Paul's out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, you know, we, we, I want to make money at it, of course. And um, you know, I lost my thought. But that's okay. Losing your thought only lost us two listeners. That's pretty good. All right, all right. We got seven minutes because uh, at the show is going to be on at the show with Bob coming up here. Well, um, remember, if you want to attend, everybody who lives yes, in uh, pl- listening, yes, Walter, please. who's in uh, Southern California, it's going to be Sunday, November 25th at 7 p.m. at the Fox Theater and Events Center in Redlands, California. That's out in the Inland Empire. It's at 123 Cajon Street in Redlands. C-A-J-O-N is how you spell the name of that street. K-John. Yes, yes, it is the Thanksgiving weekend. However, remember, Thanksgiving's on Thursday, so the holiday's done. The big retail shopping day is on Friday. That's yeah. done. And really, by Sunday evening, you should be shopped out, long done with Thanksgiving. This weekend traditionally kicks off officially the Christmas season. What better way to kick off the Christmas season than going to see Hell's Bells at the Redlands uh, Fox Theater and Events Center? Um, again, it's $7. You can get them online at nobudgetcinema.blogspot.com slash hells-bells-premier-event. Um, you, you scroll down to the bottom, and you'll see the link that'll take you to PayPal. Very safe to buy the ticket. The yeah. page that I just directed you to explains, describes the theater, describes the event. Um, it... Um, Gives you all the info you need and leads you right to the link. And tickets are selling. So, again, um, if you're in going to be in Southern California that day, that night, and you want to attend, it's only going to be, you know, from 7 to 8.30. It's not late. Um, you know, think about getting your tickets now. Uh, I'll get mine. I haven't yet, you know. but I'll get them. And as it says on there, remember, I, it, it takes a little while between the time um, for when I receive the notice from PayPal that somebody bought a ticket. So as soon as I get the notice, I send you your ticket via your email address. So nobody panic. If you pay and you, you don't immediately get your ticket, it's because I just haven't checked the email that hour. Yeah. Um, but as soon as I do, you'll get your ticket. Or tickets. Yes. Buy more than one. Bring, you know, the more the merrier. Um, you know, so uh, we worked really hard on this for six months. It's just the first of many. 
yeah. that I intend to do, and so it's really, um, it's really uh, just kind of an inauguration of no budget pictures. So, and it is a silent 1920s era silent horror adventure. Well, it looks good from what I saw, and well, you. you know, like I said, I mean, Walter's my friend, but I, and I've known him for a long time and worked on him with stuff, and it's just it's one of those things like Paul's book. Um, I have no problem recommending to people. At least so far, I haven't seen it. Maybe I'll be embarrassed when you show it that night, and I'll go, "Oh no!" Yeah, you but say, I don't oh, think my, so. Oh my god, I promoted this thing. And, <laughs> what was I thinking? No, it's. I, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, the movie's only going to be about fifty minutes long. Yeah. So you know, not too painful. And um, you'll see the preview. This audience will be the first to see the preview for the next film, which will I will have shot by then. Right. And we'll be editing. So, um, you know, they're not going to get rid of me just because they don't like Hell's Bells, but I think you'll like it. So do you want to hear, to finish off, do you want to hear a song? Oh, yeah, in the next few weeks, I'll try and start getting people here on again and doing my show and interviews and all that. Um, I'll be away... What weekend? The last weekend of this month, I probably won't be in to do my show. But the rest of the time, I will be doing the show and probably from here. Walter, do you want to hear um, a song from the Forbidden Zone or yes. Patton Oswalt? A <laughs> uh, song from the Forbidden Zone. Okay. Um, songs in the Forbidden Zone, the movie from 1980. God, what was it? Maybe 81 or something? 79? 79. Something like that. Was, uh, was Tim Thomerson's in that, right? I don't know. Playing who? Oh, no, 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 wait a minute. I'm getting, for a moment, I got, uh, he, he was in another. It was Danny Elfman's first movie that he wrote music right. for. Right. Before Oingo Boingo was Oingo Boingo, it was still Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Right, yeah, I, for a moment, I got my Yeah, so let's hear the Alphabet song, because I always like that one. That's a couple minutes, and then uh, Bob will be starting at the show. So here you go.